Tetsivan Tufshin Pei coming to you live from the home office of Ariel Tours in Brooklyn, New York. I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. It's the Israel Show Coronavirus Period theme song. Rifainu Hashem. God, please heal us. Ariel Zilber opens things up as he's been doing now for many weeks. Many, many weeks. 
as we continue to uh, work our way through this uh, situation that we are in, the coronavirus. In Israel, things were picking up, were opening up, I should say. Schools, everything, malls, shops. And then uh, there seems to be a slight a slight uh, bump in the road with some of the schools so they're they're making they're tweaking it they're adjusting it but it seems that it's going in the right direction hopefully um, the one thing that is still not happening is tourism not only is tourism not happening it's been uh, postponed for at least another two weeks meaning the government of Israel announced yesterday that they will not allow foreign visitors to come into the country at least until the end of June. Anyway, but I digress. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. We're here each and every Monday immediately following JM and the AM or almost immediately following JM and the AM. 9 a.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Israel and around the world, whatever time it is, that is the time we are on. That's, there's no other way to say it. And I thank you for joining us. You can listen on demand <clears throat> on the Nachum Siegel Network app or online at NachumSiegel.com. Interesting uh, topics today. Well, we always try to make it interesting. Some days are more and some days are a little less, but it's always interesting. The riots across the United States, which are taking place, which should be frightening to everybody. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that people are frightened because I think that is the correct reaction. It's around the corner. And in certain Jewish neighborhoods, it's in, not around the corner. It, it, it's already on the corner or in the actual house. So we're going to explore the connection, and it seems weird to say that there is a connection, but there is, the connection between these riots and the Israeli-Arab conflict. What's the connection? We'll tell you about that. We um, saw a very interesting analysis on Politico, Aaron David Miller, who uh, worked for the State Department and was part of the negotiating team between the Arabs and the Israelis for many, many years, both Republican and Democratic uh, administrations. And the name of the piece that he wrote is How Israel and the Arab World Are Making Peace Without a Peace Deal. And it's something that it sort of seems obvious, but he puts together all the information in such a way that really... En- enlightens us even more to see what the Netanyahu government has done over the past 10 years and how it breaks so many of the lies, so many of the taken-for-granted ideas that people have about the Israel-Arab conflict. Everybody would say for decades, decades, people would say, the Middle East will not find peace until this conflict. It was all not true. 
It's just all not true. So uh, we'll bring you some of that. And um, I wanted to open up with the thought from the book of Ruth, or Root, or Rus, which <laughs> many have the minhag, the custom of reading on the holiday of Shavuot. Us Ashkenazim have this custom where on each one of the Rigalim we read one of the uh, Migilot, of the five Migilot, and the other two we read on Purim and on Tisha B'Av. And on uh, Shavuot, the custom is to read the, the beautiful story of Ruth. Short, four prakim, not long at all, but just beautiful. I mean, really, if you look at it carefully, you can't even imagine how beautiful. So, um, the story begins with this family. This family that lives in Beit Lechem Yehuda. There were two Beit Lechems, by the way. It was one in the Galil and one in Yehuda. That's why we specify Beit Lechem Yehuda. And they leave because there is a famine in the land. And they leave the country. And they go to Moab. And the family just... Every bad thing that can happen basically happens to them. The father dies. They had two sons, both intermarried with Moabite women. The sons die. And this lady, the, the matriarch, Naomi, is left with nothing. No family, no money, nothing. And she decides she's going to go back home. She was there for 10 years. We're skipping, obviously, a lot of the story to get to the point we want to make. When they arrive in Beit Lechem, it's Naomi and Ruth. Ruth is the wife of one of the two sons. And she decides to join the Jewish people and, and become and stay with Naomi and become a convert. Now imagine Naomi who was part of this pretty well-to-do family. They had fields. They lived in Bethlehem Yehuda in, in style. Maybe not super rich but surely decent well-to-do. And now she's coming back a wreck and it probably was very clear that she had gone through heck and back, came back because the Pasuk tells us When they entered Beit Lechem, the city was astir. The city, it was like there was a communal gasp. Oh my gosh, look! Is that her? Could this be Naomi? They remembered the pre-Moab Naomi. And now it's, oh my God, look what's become of her. And then Naomi says, 
And this is recorded in the next two psukim, in the end of Parak Aleph. But Tomar Alehen, she says to them, by the way, this isn't the point, but it's interesting to note as we try to read Tanakh carefully. Vatehom Kolair Alehen is feminine, about the two women. Vatomarna, in female, the females said Hazot Naomi. And Vatomar Alehen, now with an Aleph, Naomi is saying to the women, also in female. Seems that the men are not in this whole conversation. Vatomar Alehen, Altikrenali Naomi. Don't call me Naomi, and the word Naomi comes from Noam, Noam, sweetness. Kirenali Mara, call me Mara, which is bitter, like Maror, bitter. Ki Mar Shaddai Li because God has done bitter things to me. Ani Mileya Halachti, I left here, I had everything, Mileya, full. Virekama Shivani Hashem, but now God has me returning empty. Lama Tikrenali Naomi, why are you calling me Naomi, sweet? Vahashem Anabi Vishadai Heirali. God bore witness, testified against me, so to speak, and God Shaddai Heirali did bad to me or made me in a bad situation, put me in a bad place. Rabbi Yitzhaket Shalom points out in his um, lectures on Ruth a very interesting. An insight. Naomi says, When I left, I had everything. Who's to blame for that? She doesn't say. But when she comes back empty with nothing and all the tragedies befell her, Oh, now she has the culprit. God's fault. Reikam heshivani Hashem. Ani milayahalachti. When it was when it was milayahalachti. When I had everything and I left here with everything, that's ani. But when I come back with nothing, that's God. She knows to blame God for the bad. She doesn't know to thank God for the good. And that is just so true of human nature and we're taught by these psukim not to be this way and notice that in the two psukim three times she says ki, ki uh, he, he once the second time Hashem, and then again Hashem Anabi Shaddai Heirali over and over again, she keeps talking about God did this terrible thing. God made me miserable. God put me in this place. But there's one time that God is not in the picture. We ask ourselves sometimes, why are we suffering through this COVID-19? Why are our businesses falling apart in many cases? Society... Now these riots, 
There's so much craziness going on in the world. Why, do, why is God doing this terrible thing to us? And we have to remember that we also need to thank God for the great things that He's doing for us and He does for us. And ultimately, Hakolatova, Gamzu Litova. But the things that are so obviously Litova, we shouldn't be saying, Ani, Mileya, Halachti. We should be saying, God gave me Kol Tuv, Brachad Bilidai. And in His Tuv, He blesses us and He brings upon us Nigaim Gedolim, and we accept them all. But always remember, if you're going to blame God for the bad, then blame God for the good as well. From Megillatut Kol Achai, Ameich Ami. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
One of the more beautiful compositions of the great Dr. Yitzchak Goldschmidt. Amechami, from the Book of Root. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. We're having trouble with the volume here. We'll get it right, don't worry. Is that better? I hope so. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, I'm getting so much not better. Well, hopefully it sounds good to you. <laughs> oh, Amechamidad is so beautiful. Um, I never attended Yeshiva University, University High School or any other part of Yeshiva University. I had a uh, short... Uh, acquaintance with uh, Rabbi Dr. Norman Lamb when his family came on sabbatical to Israel in the early 1970s and my family's ceiling was his family's floor and um, got to know the family a bit but really haven't had too much contact since then but you don't only have contact through direct contact. And uh, Rabbi Dr. Lamb influenced me like so many others in the religious Zionist modern Orthodox community. And um, his loss is a great one. Nachum spoke about it a lot in the, the previous show on Jam and the AM. You're encouraged to go back and listen to that. I'm sure there'll be more discussion on that as well, but we didn't want to let it go without being mentioned here as well. So what's the connection between the riots and Israel? Well, the connection that people think I want to talk about when I mention this is that up? Oh, it's time to make Aliyah. Look what's going on in America today. It just keeps getting worse. It's time to leave. And yeah, I'm 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 with you on that. I um, ask my friends who have young children, my friends' friends <laughs> who have young children um, that are now beginning their growing up period years 
is this the country that you want them to grow up in? Is this the environment you want them to grow up in? Not only these riots, because, all right, so they'll come, they'll go, and so forth, but they're indicative of something that's going on in America, the takeover by the left of all or almost all the universities, the the literally the destruction, the collapse of free speech, the idea that there is no more free speech in America because if you say something that, oh, that's hate speech, everything is hate speech, well, that's the opposite. Free speech is about being able to say things that some people, other people might find hurtful. Not not fire in a crowded auditorium, but Nazis marching in Skokie, right? The First Amendment that protects us all, it's gone. Society that is very concerned or more concerned with the type of bathroom who can access the bathroom that men and women can access the same bathroom depending on how they feel living in a city the city of New York where as a small business owner I get information in the mail that I could be fined up to a hundred thousand dollars if somebody comes to my place of work and wants to use the men's room even though he is not obviously a man overtly at least these are these are crazy times that we live in that we have to call somebody by their preferred pronoun i mean these are things that we never heard of and are really the the beginnings of the collapse of a society. But that's not what I wanted to talk about. Part of academia is making up new things and inculcating, unfortunately, the younger generation. There's something called intersectionality. Now, if you haven't been to university in the past, I don't know, maybe five, six years, and if you don't make a point of trying to find out about it, you probably never heard what, in, you don't know what intersectionality is. But intersectionality could be very dangerous for the Jewish people and for the state of Israel. And uh, I'm reading now from uh, a text presented by Ben Shapiro on Prager University. If you want to learn more about this, go go over to Prager University. It's online, PragerU.com, just as it sounds. Look for Ben Shapiro Intersectionality. So it means that everybody, everybody has a victim status, except for, of course, white male in America. But everybody else has some sort of a victim status. And you use that victim status as the basis for creating alliances with other victim groups. So, 30 or 40 years ago, activists encouraged racial solidarity amongst blacks to combat oppression or bias. But today, that's not enough. Today's activists demand 
that blacks make common cause with other allegedly oppressed quote-unquote people. Native Americans, gays, lesbians, transgenders. And one of the oppressed peoples are Palestinians. It's on the list. Here's the logic, says Ben Shapiro. A black woman, and I, I changed around some of the uh, examples. A black woman and a Hispanic woman may not belong to the same victim group racially. One is Hispanic and one is black. They're two different victim groups. But they do belong to the same victim group on the basis of their gender. So by focusing on the places where various victim identities intersect, intersectionality creates a united us versus them paradigm, meaning us, all those who are oppressed, all those of us who are victims. We get together, we stand together, even though our quote-unquote victimhood is not the same. Righteous victims rising up together to fight the oppressor, those dreaded straight white men, says Ben Shapiro. And this explains why at a rally protesting the police violence against blacks, you might see a contingent of anti-Israel BDS activists holding signs about the occupation or holding Palestinian flags. That's intersectionality at work. They're so united by their victim status that it doesn't matter if Islamists around the world throw gay people off buildings because they're not allowed to exist in their country or murder female family members who defy their father's wishes. It doesn't matter. We have to be in solidarity with the Palestinian Arabs and with Muslims because they're also an oppressed group. So it doesn't matter that they treat our group in an awful way. It's shocking. Victim solidarity trumps all other considerations. I wonder if he used that word on purpose. And that's why from the initial election of Donald Trump, when there was this big women's march, many of the leaders were Arabs, virulent anti-Semites. You saw a lot of BDS and other such signs and flags at these demonstrations and you see them more and more. And so on top of everything else, you have a young generation who is being inculcated, brainwashed, whatever you want to call it, with the idea that Israel is the oppressor together with the other white males never mind that half of Israel is not white male besides the female part that not white necessarily you have half of the population approximately that came from the, from Africa North Africa and from uh, Mesopotamia but it doesn't matter Israel and the whites they're the oppressors and we, we the liberal, well I shouldn't say liberal, the leftists, we're the victims, we're the oppressed, and we band together with those who are under quote-unquote occupation and so forth. 
This is something we all have to be aware of. We all have to learn how to fight and answer back. And if you have kids that are close to entering university, then you got to help them with information that will allow them to respond to these attacks. And um, I'm a big fan of uh, what Dennis Prager is doing. So uh, I can encourage you to go and look at the videos and send your kids to look at them as well. Prager you. I, I believe that over a billion with the B people have have already uh, seen the videos combined, obviously, and it's only been around for about five years or so. It, it makes a, a, a good impact. They're short, sound bites, very well done. PragerU.com. Uh, a lot of them about Israel as well, but also about many other topics. God help us. At least we know when the planes start up again, we have where to go. Yonatan Razel from Tzama, volume number three, V'yedu ki atahu Hashem. Everybody around the globe will know that you, God, are the true God. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Yonatan Razel off of Vied U. No, the name of the song. I am going to wake up eventually this morning. Don't worry. The name of the song is Viedu Kieta, and uh, it's off of uh, the album Sama, volume number three. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You, you, and yeah, you too. You're all listening to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. We thank you for that. On Politico.com, Aaron David Miller, former State Department Middle East analyst and negotiator. He was in the thick of things during the Oslo years as well, both Republican and Democratic administrations. Writes an article entitled, How Israel and the Arab World Are Making Peace Without a Peace Deal. We'll share some of it with you and some of our comments. But it puts together the, all the information that we know, and it uh, frames it beautifully. Without much fanfare, he writes, or notice for that matter the first known commercial aircraft from the united arab emirates recently landed at israel's ben gurion airport did you know that it was a it was a piece on the news very small little little piece plane was covered over by the way with white paint so hasashalm shouldn't be seen as United Arab Emirates plane landing at Ben Gurion Airport, but still, it was a United Arab Emirates plane landing in Ben Gurion Airport. It was carrying COVID-19 medical supplies. Medical supplies. For who? For the Arabs who are living in the Palestinian Authority. Medical supplies. Now, imagine, let's say, that Israel would have blockaded those supplies, I'm saying now you know that the world would have gone crazy. But no, 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 no. Turns out that the Palestinian Authority rejected the aid. They did not accept the delivery. Why? Because they came via Israel. Okay, what, I think everything we need to know about the quote-unquote Palestinian Arabs is embedded in that story really uh, really as unprecedented i'm going to continue here reading as unprecedented as the flight was it really shouldn't have come as much of a surprise for the past five years contacts between israel and the gulf states especially saudi arabia the uae united arab emirates and bahrain have been booming. The examples of what amounts to a great thaw in an otherwise frozen political landscape are plentiful. Now listen to the things that took place over these past five years. Prime Minister Netanyahu, we know this, and the director of the Mossad have been publicly, publicly received in Oman by the Sultan. He passed away since then. He was a very elderly man, but he himself received them. Pictures were published Nobody was embarrassed. He has met the UAE and the Omani foreign ministers in the U.S. Israel's minister of culture has visited Dubai. Israelis, including Jerusalem's chief rabbi, have been welcomed in Bahrain. And as we've told you here on the, uh, on the Israel show, 
going back uh, a number of years, Israeli athletes competed in judo competitions in the UAE where for the first time the Israeli national anthem was played and the Israeli flag was displayed when Israel came in number one. Bahrain has reached out to Israel for help battling COVID-19. Trade between Israel and the Gulf states. Listen, listen to this. This I didn't know. Listen to this number. Trade between Israel and the Gulf states is now estimated at about one billion with a B dollars a year. Hush, hush, but <laughs> but it adds up. One Israeli-owned company, AGT International, has reportedly concluded an $800 million deal with UAE for border surveillance equipment. And this partial list comprises only the visible signs. Much more on the intelligence and security side is reportedly happening below the waterline. And continues Aaron David Miller makes a great point. All this is happening, and he says even more stunning. This is taking place under a right-wing Israeli prime minister. This is all under Netanyahu, and it's all his doing, who doesn't even feign interest in a two-state solution, and is doing everything he can to ensure one never emerges, according to uh, him, by keeping large parts of West Bank and all of Jerusalem. I'm just quoting. I don't agree with that. Contrary to the warnings of diplomats, analysts, and peaceniks who predicted Israel would become a pariah if it didn't settle up with the Palestinians, Israel seems to be making more progress toward normalization with Arab regimes without a credible peace process than with one. Yep. All the naysayers, all the Nevi'e Sheker. So what explains the shift? Well, we have a common enemy. We do. The rise of Iran and Sunni jihadists spewing terror across the region has created a narrow but important coincidence of interest between Israel and the Arab world. Increasing exhaustion and frustration with the never-ending Palestinian cause, quote-unquote, has opened up more space for Arab states to follow their own interests. They're just, they've had it. I think everybody realizes that if the quote-unquote Palestinian Arabs want to have a state, they would have had it already. And the situation they're in is because the state and the quote-unquote occupation is not the issue. It is, it is Israel's existence. And then he goes on to say that Another place where the interests collide is um, a White House under Donald Trump. Behind it all lay a White House enamored of Arab money for arms sales and investments in the U.S. and eager to marshal the Arabs in the service of its anti-Iran and pro-Israel agenda. As if this is new to any administration in Washington. Even writes here at the end of this paragraph, sensing opportunities with an autocrat-friendly U.S. president, Arab nations have been happy, only too happy to follow. Autocratic-friendly U.S. president. Can he please tell me the name of the president from FDR and onward 
who was not friendly with the Saudis, who did not kowtow to them, Democrats and Republicans, because we needed them. We the Americans. I just hate when they just distort everything. From the Israeli perspective, the reasons for the detente are not hard to divine. Netanyahu's regional outreach to the Arab world is part of his broader campaign to project Israel's political profile internationally with historic visits into Latin America, Asia, South Asia, and Africa. Yes. Now, hear this sentence. Israel now has more diplomatic recognition in the international community than at any time since its independence. Did anybody know that? I didn't know that. I'm going to say it again. And this is all under the Netanyahu government with all the criticisms that we may have. Nobody reached this level of success. Here we go. This is the sentence again. Quote, Israel now has more diplomatic recognition in the international community than at any time since its independence. That's amazing. In the Middle East, his outreach is aimed to demonstrate that Israel can do business with key Arab states without having to compromise on the Palestinian issue and, of course, to marshal Arab state support in his campaign against Iran. So, his article continues. There are points here that, obviously, um, I would disagree with. But at the end, you know, I sometimes, when, when somebody who's on one side of a story has no choice but seeing the facts has to turn around and say, you know, maybe we were wrong. I always think of the, the uh, story that we have, that we tell that after a Jew comes home, why we say, sing Shalom Aleichem, Jews come home from shul, the three good malachim, three bad malachim, good angels, bad angels, and if the house that they walk into, they see the uh, Shabbos table set and the candles lit and the family is gathering around to make Kiddush, so the, the good malachim bless them and the bad malachim onim amen al karcham. They have no choice but to say amen because they see the beauty of this family's Shabbos. So, Lahavdil, Aaron David Miller writes, will the Israel-Arab state honeymoon last? Will this honeymoon between Israel and the Arab state last? The answer is probably yes, anchored as it is in self-interest. And so, without going into the rest of the article, he, he, he concludes with this sentence, it ain't peace. But then again, that was never in the cards. Interesting for him to say that. In a broken, angry, dysfunctional Middle East, who could ask for more? This is a man who probably said many times, hey, you know, there's no other way. There's no other choice. We have to do this. We have to do this um, two-state solution. It's the only solution, and so forth and so on. And there are people that are still stuck in that paradigm. But what this article comes to show is how Netanyahu has played his card so well that the world is moved on to other things. Doesn't mean it can't start up again at some point, but 
for now it's pretty cool I'm gonna end off with a uh, relatively new Omar Adams song it's it's been around for a few months I don't know if we ever played it though and before that we're good before wrapping up with the song we say thanks so much for listening thanks for all your Facebook likes and comments thanks to the staff for the Nachum Siegel Network and my very special thanks as always to Nachum Siegel I believe Yonik Pollock is coming up with after further review Yes, he is. I just get that memo. So Yoni Pollock is coming up with after further review, uh, covering the latest in the world of sports. And then Novak now with the great Jake Novak. Tune into the great programming here on the Nachum Siegel Network. After that, the Monday Music Marathon. Until next Monday, immediately following Jam in the AM, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. They're just running in a different race. <laughs> Thank you. 
אם הוא צועק יותר מדי, לא הבינו אותו נכון. ואם מדבר על מלחמה, זה בגלל חוסר ביטחון. אז אל תדאג, ילד, אל תדאג. הכל טוב גם הפעם, אז אין סיבה להיות מוטרד. אל תדאג, ילד, אל תדאג. רק תעצום עיניים, אני משגיח מהצד. ואם תתחיל אותה זקה בחוץ, זה רק סימן לתחרות. מי הראשון שיגיע אל החדר המוגן שלנו? בטח בקרוב נשמע הפיצוץ. כולה כמה זיקוקים, כי ניצחת שוב הפעם, וכולם כבר חוגגים, אז אל תדאג, ילד, אל תדאג. הכל טוב גם הפעם, אז אין סיבה להיות מוטרד. אל תדאג, ילד, אל תדאג. רק תעצום עיניים, אני משגיח מהצד, אל תדאג. האמבולנס דוהר כשתינוק חדש נולד ויש ציפור בתוך הכלוב כי היא רוצה קצת זמן לבד והדמעות שלי זולגות כשאני שמח במיוחד אני לא זז מפה ילד אני נשאר איתך לעד אז אל תדאג ילד אל תדאג